Mail delivery is like weird weather. Everybody has their own theory about it. Now the U.S. Postal Service Office of Inspector General has taken a step to make the public aware of what's really going on with mail delivery, where it's flagging and where it's right on time. Joining me with more about the project, Inspector General Tammy Whitcomb. Ms. Whitcomb, good to have you on. Thank you. Good to be here. And let's talk about this portal. Tell us what it is you're actually posting here at the OIG site. Yeah, if you go out to our website, uspsoig.gov, you can see a tab. It's called Service Performance. When you click on that tab, it pulls up a page. It's kind of a web page that basically has a few things on it. One of the things that I think is most popular with it is it takes service performance data that the Postal Service pulls together and reports to the Postal Regulatory Commission every quarter. We take that data and actually map it. We overlay it onto a map. So you can see how the Postal Service performance, its service performance, is affecting your area of the country, your state, your local area, based on the the Postal Service districts and how the Postal Service is doing in each of the districts compared to its own goals. In addition to the map, which is really kind of cool and graphical, we also list out some of our audit reports and current audit work on service and what we've got going on and where we've identified issues in the past. Sure. And how fine-grained does the data get down to? Can it get to the block or the city or the town or or what? No, really the district the Postal Service has are pretty closely aligned now to the states. So it can get pretty close to the state, but you can kind of compare state by state or area by area against each other and see kind of where the biggest problem areas are or have been in the past quarter for the Postal Service. Because otherwise, it's pretty hard to know whether one is actually getting good postal service delivery or not, because you don't know when things originated. You just know what shows up in your mailbox every day. Right. And these service scores are kind of compilations of both mail that's gone out from the area and mail that's come in. So it it kind of is a compilation score there. And one reason that we did this mapping, we saw other OIGs that were kind of getting into taking data sets that their agencies had and making them more transparently available to the general public. The Pandemic Response Accountability Committee was doing things like that as well on their site. And we thought, what kinds of data would be useful for the general public that the Postal Service has? And we found these data sets that it provides quarterly to the regulator. And we thought, you know, the data was provided in spreadsheets. We thought it would be so much more useful if it was on a map. So we just took that data and overlaid it onto a map. Interesting. And just out of curiosity, how has the Postal Service performance been in general? There's been a lot of stories and political infighting between the Postmaster General and members of Congress, and there's all these counter charges going back and forth. But what is the reality of mail delivery down at the uh, state level? Yeah, it's been challenged in many areas of the country. Obviously, we heard a lot during the holiday mailing season about how service was really not where it needed to be. It was really challenging then. It's it's picked back up since then in most areas, and it's um, a better news story now than it was back in December. But still, there's a ways to go. Sure. We're speaking with Tammy Whitcomb. She is the Inspector General of the Postal Service. And in general, what are the factors that go into good performance? What makes them able to perform well? And what can detract other than you know a hurricane or a blizzard? 
Right, right. Obviously, weather is always a big deal for the Postal Service, but COVID has had significant impacts on the Postal Service. Employee availability has been a big challenge for the Postal Service throughout the COVID pandemic. There have been challenges with transportation, with air transportation, and maybe one of the biggest challenges that people don't necessarily think about with the Postal Service is that in the last year or so, since COVID began, the number of packages the Postal Service has, has had within its system has gone up dramatically. Uh, people have ordered a lot more things online. And package volume increases impact significantly their ability to move both packages and mail. Yeah, so they're really oriented toward the first class or the business delivery types of brochures and flyers and stuff. But as a contractor to some of the delivery operators, that's different than the Postal Service actually being able to handle soup to nuts, you might say, or the life cycle of package processing and delivery. Right, right. Well, in addition to that, just packages take up more space. There's limitations in the amount of space in some of the facilities, the docks, the transfer locations, things like that, that you might not normally think about. But during the holiday mailing season, you just saw just some of the facilities were just overwhelmed with volume of packages and an inability even sometimes to get mail in the door. In addition, there have been, you know, uh, challenges with managing the workload and managing things. There's opportunities for the Postal Service to manage these challenges better, and there's some things with outside of their control. And in the coming year, with the Postal Service hopefully getting a contract executed to start replacing the, the vehicle fleet that they have with new ones, and, you know, electric is going to be part of that, and increased package is what I think the Postal Service itself sees as its own salvation financially, or at least a part of the equation. Will you be looking at the whole facilities question in more detail? Because packages, new vehicles, needing to charge vehicles, all of this is impacting on what it is they have to do with their facilities, the docks and the handling equipment. I imagine that's going to be the biggest thing coming up. There's a lot going on at the Postal Service right now. As uh, as you probably know, in March, the new Postmaster General released uh, a 10-year plan that has lots of change upcoming for the Postal Service. So we will be busy, that's for sure, in all of the areas you mentioned and many others. And getting back to the performance delivery page, are you monitoring the uptake of it? Are people visiting it? And how are you getting the word out? Yeah, we are. We, we've we had a lot of traffic on it. We uh, launched it in beta first just to sort of try it out. And then we did a, a bigger launch where we put some things out on uh, Gov Delivery and other ways that we inform our customer base. And uh, it's gotten a lot of really good uh, attention and we're excited about that. We're also looking forward to finding the next data set that would be useful for the general public so that we can do our our next page that we think might be useful. So we're studying that right now, and so keep coming to our website because uh, there'll be more to come. Well, there's always dog bites. Those are worth mapping. (laughs) And Christmas time will be here eventually, and there's probably lots of stuff to track there, too. Tammy Whitcomb is Inspector General at the U.S. Postal Service. Hey, thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. We'll post this interview along with a link to the Postal Service portal at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Deliver the Federal Drive to your inbox. Subscribe at Podcast One or wherever you get your shows. Hello and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. 
Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from sea to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career. But really, it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was 
it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Um, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I, I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From Sea to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment. And it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally and, agree. And, and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, 
we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. Looking for holiday gifts for less? Come to Ross and say yeah to making your dollar stretch on name brand toys, clothes, and gifts. Get the gift of savings this holiday from Ross. Yes for less. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.